There is nothing quite like the power of a story. The story has a power to move us and motivate us unlike really anything else. Jesus knew this. He knew the power of a story. We've seen the power of a story in so many different ways in our lives. I mean, we think about some of the great books that we've read, whether it's Lord of the Rings from Tolkien or, or uh, the Chronicles of Narnia by Lewis or a great movie like Star Wars. You know, George Lucas knew the power of story, wrote this great story, this great narrative, and it conveyed, ultimately story conveys a message to us. And there's really, truly nothing like somebody that can tell a great story. We've all known people in our lives, maybe it's a grandmother, or a grandfather, a father, a mother, a friend, that's just an excellent storyteller. And they have just a way that when they tell a story, it captivates us. It draws us in, doesn't it? It makes us pay attention. It makes us want to hear more from them because we just love to hear them tell the story. I can't help but think about how amazing it must have been to hear Jesus tell a story in person. I especially thought about this when I got to visit Israel, got to go to the Holy Land a few years ago, partially because of a, a generous church that allowed me the time away to do just that. But to be able to be in the Holy Land and be able to stand in these places where Jesus had been, where he had taught, to be there where Jesus had gathered the people together and preached the Sermon on the Mount. And I can remember being on that very mountain. I got to go to that very mountain and I sat down in the grass overlooking the Sea of Galilee and I thought to myself, wow, Jesus was here in this place and people sat at his feet and watched him, watched God the God of the universe, tell a story. Imagine that. See, friends, Jesus knew the power of story to impact us, to motivate us, to move us. And most importantly, Jesus knew the power of story to convey a message. So of everything that you will hear about in this series over the month of May, Remember that at the heart of everything we're talking about is a message. Just like in the heart of everything about Jesus' life and ministry, there runs this interconnected thread of messaging. It is a message of hope, of help, of salvation for the world that needs to know Jesus that needs to come to understand who he is and see him for who he is. The one that loves them, you, and gives his life for you. This is always at the heart of what Jesus is doing. He's getting a message across. And so in the parables that we're gonna study in the month of May, we're gonna see Always, don't, don't get caught up so much in the details of the story, although it's good to explore the details. Make sure you don't miss the message because that has to be at the heart of it. In the parable that we're gonna explore today, commonly known, of, uh, known as the parable of the sower, Jesus tells the story of a, a farmer planting seed. 
Now, this is different in first century Israel than it is today. A sower planting seed back then would have had a bag around his neck and he would have been taking the seed out of the bag and casting the seed out onto ground that had not yet been plowed. That's not the way we do that today. We plow up the ground and then we plant the seed. But that's not what they did. And they did not have generally these very neat, large areas that were carved out. In many cases, they didn't. In many cases, they were living close together. And you would have pathways. Matter of fact, you had to allow passage through the areas of your planting for people to be able to navigate, to be able to get from place to place. So you would have these pathways, some of which had been beaten down by people's feet. You would have roads. Yeah, the Romans built their roads sometimes right alongside people's, you know, farms, right alongside where they had planted their crops. And so the farmer would go casting the seed, throwing it out, and the seed would land in all kinds of good, you know, different places, some good, some bad. And then the seed would be tilled in. That was just how they did it then. So it helps our story make even more sense today because you could also, while, while this parable is frequently known as, known as the parable of the sower, it could also be known as the parable of the soils because Jesus talks about four different kinds of soils that the seed lands on. Okay, so stay with me on this because this is critical. You could call this the parable of, of the soils because Jesus gives four soils, but those soils in many ways are representative of the characteristics of the hearts of men and women, of humans, right? So he really lays out four different kinds of soils, four different kinds of hearts that we will encounter. Hard Rocky or hard dirt, rocky soil, that kind of thing. Soil with briars on it. And then good soil, good earth. Each of those is indicative of our hearts. And as much as you could call this the parable of the sower, and you could call this the parable of the soils, you could call it the parable of the seed. <laughs> because at the heart, too, of Jesus's message, you're going to hear me say message a lot in this series. At the heart of this message from Jesus is that there is nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is good. The seed is powerful. The seed is going to work. If you cast the seed, there's not a problem with the seed. Look now, there's only a problem with where the seed lands about whether or not it will flourish. All right, so I've introduced it as much as I can before we just like, hey, guy, get to it and read it. Here we go. Stay with me on this. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. Matthew 13, 1 through 9. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around them that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. Remember, this is something Jesus did, taught in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and they ate it up. Remember, that path had been trampled down, right? Just like I explained to you. Some fell on rocky places, just rocky ground, rocky soil, where it did not have much soil. That means the dirt was just thin there over top of that, that hard ground. 
It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty fold what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, this is a reminder to us of these different soils of the hearts of men that we will encounter and of our own heart. Make sure you hear me saying that because we're going to do some work this morning, church. We're going to do some work on ourselves, on our own hearts, and we're going to do some work in preparation for those we will have the opportunity to share with. Because you will encounter all these different kinds of hearts and people will not always want to have a receptive heart. People will not always want to take the medicine that they need to get healthy. They won't always want that. I mean, it's just like my kids when they were really little. We'd try to give them medicine and they didn't want to have anything to do with it. They didn't like the way it tasted. It was not something they were going to do. And so, I mean, of course we made them do it, but they would fuss and fight. And you know, it's frustrating for you as a parent, isn't it? Because you're trying to explain to them how they need this and they don't want it because they don't like the way it tastes or like the way it looks or they just don't want to deal with it. And you're frustrated, why? Because you know it can help make them better, right? So for us, this is what Jesus is speaking to us today. And did you notice how Jesus finished here in verse nine? He said, he who has ears, let him hear. This is the kind of people we need to be this morning. We need to be a people that are receptive to this message, not just so we can take a message to others, which is critical, but so that we can apply it to our own lives. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to look at this parable really in many ways as the parable of the soils because it points out the issues of our heart and the heart of those who will interact with. So let's talk about the very first kind of soil that Jesus talks about. He, he talks about the hard soil. Sometimes that is the condition of our own hearts. Sometimes it is the condition of other people's hearts that we try to share the gospel with. Again, sometimes it's our own, our hearts have become hardened and we're not receptive to what Jesus is trying to do in us. Sometimes that's other people and they're not receptive to what Jesus is trying to do in them. He's trying to prepare you for the eventuality that sometimes as you share the gospel, people are going to have a hard heart. You, you just have to know that. And that's something to be aware of. But maybe more critically is for you to be aware of the own hardening of your heart. Because some of you come into this space this morning and look, I recognize there are a lot of things that happen in your world, in your life, throughout your life that may have made you disillusioned. They may have made you angry. They may have made you frustrated at God or at other people. You have a heart right now that's harboring unforgiveness and you're making excuses for that. You're allowing yourself to stay in that place rather than moving to a more healthy place of forgiveness and allowing your heart to be softened. Look, the things that happen in this life 
have a tendency to want to harden up our heart. And if we are not doing the active work of being soft-hearted people, gentle-hearted people that are receptive to the work of Christ in our own life and can thusly then reach out to other people whose hearts have been hardened by the same difficulties we've gone through, then we will become like this ground. Look, God wants you not to have a heart of stone. He wants to take out your stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh, soft, pliable, able to be moved and motivated, shaped by his love for you and his message. I know this because of Ezekiel eleven nineteen. The prophet says this. He says, and I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. For those of you that have given up this morning, for those of you who have thought, I don't think my heart's ever going to be right again. I don't know that I can ever feel like that again, Nick. Will you believe the word of God? Will you believe the word of God? Listen, he will give to you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. I mean, that's a very, it's a very strong, kind of strong language, right? It's kind of almost even a little bit gross when you read it. But at the heart of the message of that, it is beautiful. It is a beautiful message that Jesus is saying, whatever has hardened you, I can fix it. Whatever has hardened that one that you are casting seed towards, I can fix it. Give them over to me. Give yourself over to me. You will confront the hard heart. You don't quit on you and you don't quit on them, right? The hard heart can be softened. Second kind of ground he talks about is the shallow soil. Shallow soil. The seed, you know, it sprouts up quickly. It gets going. It looks good. And then the sun comes out and it burns it up. It has no chance because it's got shallow roots. It cannot get what it really needs because it's really just burning off that little bit of feeling, that little bit of juice. And then that's it. It's done. This is really a threat to you, to me, to so many people who live out their faith on an, in an emotion-filled or an emotion-driven perspective. So, you know, we come to church and we say, oh, I, you know, on those Sundays when uh, the music's great and the sermon's just exactly what I wanted, man, I feel amazing and that's great and man, I'm good to go. And otherwise, sometimes if I'm finding myself in that shallow soil, when my heart has become shallow, I come to church and I, oh, I didn't really like that message. I didn't really like that song. I didn't really like this. I didn't really like that. And we spend our lives kind of go, you know, descending down into that attitude. And yeah, it's easy to, to end up not liking stuff when that's where kind of our heart is. Right? We have to get ourselves not just in church, but day in and day out that we're saying, no, I'm not, I'm not just chasing a feeling. 
I'm not basing my spiritual life on, you know, oh, well, you know, I don't feel as, I don't feel as close to God as I did when I was first saved. Well, okay. I mean, that, that's normal. That's going to happen. But what you need to remember is that Jesus has not left you. He's not gone further away from you. You just have to commit yourself to say, I am going to root myself more deeply in Jesus. It's the old cliche, right? If I'm feeling like God is far away, who left? Because we know he didn't. If, if, if you're feeling distance between him, then move nearer to him. He's right there. He's waiting on you. This is a, this is a reminder for us. But if we continually chase feelings, if we continually chase the shallowness of feelings, we will continually find ourselves with that feeling of lacking. Instead, we need to be a people that say, no, I'm rooted in Christ and I'm gathering everything that I need ultimately from him. And he's enough. I love what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon said many, many, many years ago. He was recalling that Jesus promised us, I'll be with you always. Most of y'all remember that, or you know that. But here's what Spurgeon said. He said, I am with you always is enough, is enough to get my soul to live upon no matter who forsakes me. No matter who or what forsakes me, the reminder that Jesus is with me, man, that's all I need. And my prayer is that we will not live in that place of the shallow soil and we, were, we will dig our roots down deep to Jesus so that when the sun does come out, when the storms do come, when the problems do happen and all of the above will happen, I will have everything I need because I am drawing from a deep well of sustaining. Third soil of the heart that both we have to deal with and we're gonna confront is that thorny soil where the seed comes up, it grows. Again, things are looking pretty good, at least briefly. And then the thorns happen and the thorns overtake us, they overtake the seed, crush this tender plant, keep it from being able to thrive. Look, we all deal with thorns. We all have these thorny problems that are a part of our lives. I'm gonna give you kind of six things that I think are common and I'm gonna go through these quickly, but here's the truth. I can't really list all of the areas of, of thorniness that you're going to deal with or that you're gonna see manifested in somebody else's life. But I am giving you these on purpose to help you really think and maybe think more specifically about your own issues, the thorns that are a part of your life right now that need to, you need to be honest about and honest with God about and give them over to him. The first thing I would just point out is pride. Pride is one of the chief kind of thorny areas in our life that when pride gets in the way, it chokes out our faith. It ultimately affects our faith. And we get to that place where we say, no, no, I've got it. I can handle it. I can do it on my own. And pride is a problem. Instead, we need to be a people that have that new heart. I hope you have ears to hear this morning. 
Be that person that puts on a new heart, the fleshly heart, the soft heart. Let go of your pride and trust Jesus. Second thing is money. This is really the material things. The material things of this life that we continually elevate and say, this is where I'm going to find my joy. Most of us don't say that out loud, but we live a life like that's what we actually believe. Rather than, no, no, I have everything that I need in Christ and everything else is just a gift. It's just a blessing. So we live this life where, and you, you've all been, this, been there, where we say, if I could just get this one thing, if I could just have this one thing that I've been dreaming about. We're like the little kid, right? We're like when we were little kids and we would say to mom or dad or your kids say to you now, if I could just have this one toy, I will never ask for another toy ever again. If I could, and you would think in your mind, you, you believed this when you were a kid. Try to remember this. You, you remember feeling like this. If I could just get my hands on that one thing, and then I'll be happy. And the truth of the matter is, is if you got it, and you felt happy, didn't you? Everything you wanted came true. You were pumped up. You were excited. You were showing it to your friends. And then what happened? And it wore off, didn't it? It wore off, and, and then you were already moving on to the next thing. We know that with our kids, after a couple of days, they might not even know where that toy is. Do you know that the Lord knows the same thing about you? Did you know that? Did you know that God knows the same thing about your heart? And so, as frustrated as we must get with our kids as parents and just saying, I just wish you could understand how this works. This is not going to be the thing, little Johnny, little Susie, that's going to ultimately make you happy. I know you think it is, but it's not. Don't you know that Jesus wants to deliver that same message to our hearts and say that don't let material things be the thorn that overtakes the seed, the plant, the growth of your life. Don't be that kind of soil. Third thing is just, it's just laziness. And you might say, well, I'm not a lazy person. That's awesome. You're probably not. You're out there, you're going, you're moving, you're working at all kinds of things. And that's great. But if we're lazy in our spiritual life, if we're not putting in the time and the effort and the energy in the word of God, in prayer, in serving people in Jesus' name, in serving his church, then we become lazy in things that matter most. I can do all kinds of stuff and I can accomplish all kinds of things and I can accomplish a whole bunch of stuff that ultimately doesn't matter. But for you and me, those of us in this room that are followers of Christ, that are Christians, we are doing a work, a spiritual work that matters, not just in the here and now, but matters into eternity. And if that doesn't move you and motivate you, you need to pray to the Lord to reawaken your heart, to soften your heart, to be reminded of how powerful the work you've been given of seed casting is. And of tending the seed that is landed in your own heart and protecting it as it grows and beating back the weeds that are trying to take over. The thorns that want to come in and press it and push it out. It is a work that you and I are called to do.
And so then, of course, that, that means we got to deal with the fourth thing, which is sin. I mean, this could be the number one thing, that if we don't deal with the areas of sin in our lives, you better believe that they threaten to choke out all the areas of healthy spiritualness, spiritual practice in us. In 25, I can't believe it's been 25, but in 25 plus years of ministry, I can think back over all the years of the people that I've known, young people to old, that I have seen be this kind of ground where something springs up in them and they love the Lord and they're walking with them and they're faithful. And over time, what happens very frequently, they find themselves falling into an area of sin. And here's the hard truth. They end up choosing the sin over Jesus. Now that's a very straightforward way to put it but it's just the truth. They would never say that and they would tap dance all around that, but it's just the truth. And and here's the thing. Sometimes that's me. Some days I'm choosing my sin over Jesus, just like you. So I don't say this message to stand above you and and tell you, you know, how right I've got it. I, I stand here and proclaim this message to you as a powerful reminder to us that we take sin seriously and we deal with it because if not, it has the power to be that thorn that can crush our spiritual life. Fifth thing is, man, we get, sometimes we're just going through the motions. Here we are, another Sunday. Here we are, another week. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, doing my thing just kind of going on about life instead of intentionally pouring into my spiritual life, intentionally pouring into my relationship with Christ. Let's not find ourselves going through the motions. Okay, but Nick, how do I fix that? Well, listen, I don't have the the magic bullet for you, but what I do have is just to point you back to my savior, to just point you lovingly back to Jesus and say, have you asked him? Have you asked him to help you? To help you not go through the motions? Because it's the only thing that I've ever done that's worked for me. When I find myself going through the motions, and I do, yep, I'm guilty of it sometimes too. I have to just stop myself and say, Lord, I need some help. I'm just caught up in this cycle of going through the motions. Will you help me? Final thing. Of these, and again, your thorn may be something totally different than this, but either you will deal with some of these things or other people that you are trying to cast this seed to will be dealing with some of these things. And I mean, this is number six is seeking approval. Seeking approval of what the world thinks of you, of what other people think of you, of letting your value be bound up in what somebody else says you are. You know how foolish that is for a follower of Jesus? to let my value be made by the person, some other human being that's a fallible sinner just like me. And you talk about a waste of time. You talk about a waste of your own spiritual potential is to allow somebody else to define your worth. When you should know, and if you don't, I'm telling you right now, y'all, I'm preaching a word here to you. Now listen. You are valued 
and loved. You have value and are approved by Jesus. Now, he doesn't approve of you when you're in your sin, but he approves of you as his child. You are loved, highly valued, highly favored, deeply cared about. And he is all you ultimately need. But you need to find your sense of approval and worth in him rather than other people. Don't waste your time letting them define you. You pursue his definition of you. And he shows that to you. He showed it to you on the cross about how much you were worth. Don't you ever forget that. Those days when you're not sure, look to the cross to be reminded of your value. Fourth and final soil will be done. This is where it ends. It culminates. It's at the good soil. Jesus tells the story of all these seeds falling, different kinds of ground. Some of it fell in good soil. And what happened when the soil was good? What happened when the heart was right? Man, it produced a crop many times over. Just like what happens with a seed. You can put one seed in the ground and you can get a plant that grows and produces multiple pieces of fruit or vegetables or whatever it is, right? This was Jesus's thought process. This was his message. And it was a message about the gospel itself. It was a message about what happens when our hearts are good soil. Good things happen. Multiplication happens. I told you already, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is the gospel and it has power. And when it goes out, man, it can do a work in the life of people. We need to believe that. Some of us need to believe it again this morning. I'm going to keep being a seed caster, even when I'm frustrated. I'm going to soften up my heart because I'm going to believe again that the gospel can penetrate my heart and change me to make me more like Jesus. But I better deal with the soil. I've told you all, you know, me as the uh, fledgling farmer that I am of my uh, 10 by 10 <laughs> rectangle in my backyard. Can I call myself a farmer? If I do that, if I have that little bit, whatever, I'm doing it. You can't stop me. So listen, I, you know, trying to be this fledgling farmer. I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, I started these tomato plants in my house. And so after a matter of weeks with these little fledgling tomatoes uh, plants that I had grown from seed, I was watching them and they started turning yellow. And so I was confused by this because I thought, well, that's not the right color of a tomato plant. As the, again, farmer that I am, I did know that much. And so I thought, I thought that's weird. And so I did what any good farmer would do. I Googled it, right? So I Googled it. And when I Googled it, it turns out that the soil was the problem now because this little plant had used up all the nutrients in that little starter soil that were there. And now because it, that dirt was nutrient deficient, the soil had to be amended for the plant to be able to thrive again. And that's why the leaves were changing color. So what do you know? I amended the soil, put a little fertilizer in there. The leaves came back green. They turned out fine, planted them. They're thriving now. 
I mean, this is the reason why, you know, you can send the soil off in your yard to find out what it needs, to have your grass grow or trees grow or whatever it might need. Because if you don't amend the soil, it's not going to work. For some of us this morning right now, we need to amend the soil of our hearts. We've got to look at ourselves and say, Lord, what are the areas in me that are not right? What are the areas in my heart that I have to be honest with and deal with between me and you, Jesus? Some of you are in this place right now where you've not yet given your heart over to Jesus. And so we're going to start right there this morning for the people in this room and those of you that are with us online. Hey, you better begin there. But just say, look, I, I need Jesus. And I want to be good soil. Do you know that it's really as simple as that? Jesus has made following him as simple as that. For you to just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm tired of going it alone. I know that the soil of my heart has been messed up. Because Jesus, you explained it to us in this story. And I get it. And if you get it this morning, why not put the message of the story into action in your own life? Change your heart. Follow Jesus. Give him your all. Give him and pray to him for your heart to become a heart of flesh. That his seed would flourish in you. Repent of your sin. Be baptized into Christ, which we can help you do today. And go and walk with him in faith. If you need to make that commitment today, whether you're here in person or online, if you're here in person, come up front. If you're online, reach out to us there. We'll, we're here for you. Maybe you're just in this place where you're saying, yeah, I, I just I see so many ways where my heart has been not right. And I want so badly to be able to move forward. I want to have that softened heart. I want to have that good ground, that good soil for the Lord that his seed might flourish in me. Look, we have all been there. Usually we're there once or twice a week. You're not alone. Will you just remember that, that you're not alone, that you're valued and loved by Jesus and by us. Nobody here is gonna judge you. Nobody here is gonna look down at you and you're gonna be loved in this church. So if there's anything that we can do for you, I'm gonna be here up front. I'd love to talk with you. Let's stand, let's sing this final song as a church. If we can help you out. Come on up.